Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of Christian Conspiracy Theory. We are your host, Matthew and Aaron Miller. Today we have a pretty interesting topic that I don't think many people have looked at quite in this light. So, Aaron, why don't you come on the mic and let's talk a little bit about today's topic and why we're going to do this particular topic. Well, we um, were looking into the angel, which uh, is associated with Christ. As we know, in the uh, book of Revelation, John says that the angel sent from Jesus Christ himself came and dictated to him. Well, not sure if dictation is the word, but he was there with him in his dreams and all the revelations that he saw. Um, and this, there's a few times where we know Jesus Christ is speaking his own um, sayings in there. We, we know that he said um, that, Behold, I am coming like a thief. When he was on the earth, he said he preached that, and is also made present in the, um, in the book of Revelation. So we know, out of any shadow of a doubt, that, that he, that there is an angel sent by Christ himself um, to speak his words. And we know this, um, how in the Old Testament, um, there is an angel of the Lord who bears uh, the name of God, the Tetragrammaton, uh, Jehovah by some translations and Yahweh by others. But we don't know what it is because the vows have been taken. Um but it's made of the four letters of God's name. And um, it's set right next to the name of this angel in the Old Testament. And we know that whenever this angel was talking, he would say, I am the God of your fathers. And um, a, lot of, um, a lot of times when uh, people were hearing these, they'd think, well, this is angel of God. Well, no, he was talking for God. Like, so this is why he bears his name and this angel of the lord was for god the father god he was dictating god's words directly from his mouth to whoever he was speaking to so with that in mind there is one angel of the lord that's for god the father but there's another angel who uh, Dictate, dictates the messages of Jesus Christ. And um, we all know that there were two angels that were there in Christ's tomb. Yes, we do. Now, most people don't put 
two and two together with that, Aaron. Most people do not connect these two events, but there is no way around it as far as uh, Christ having his own angel. There's absolutely no debating that. Most people never speak about it. But Revelation, the very first verse, answers that question. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place, he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. Now, it's very strange that no one ever puts two and two together, that this is the exact same type of phraseology that is given to the angel of the Lord, over which there is much consternation, Aaron. You get people to say that the angel of the Lord is Christ. You get it to say there's just so many uh, theories surrounding uh, this angel of the Lord. Uh, everybody loves to elevate him uh, higher than above the angels, yada, 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 yada. The only thing we do know for absolute certainty is that God gave warning about his particular angel, which served as the Exodus angel. God said, be careful to do what he says, because he does not have to forgive you. Now that pushes things into, obviously, a different arena than most angels. So... It is astounding to me. You never hear nobody talk about the angel of the Christ. Because that's exactly what the very first verse says in the book of Revelation. So, now that we have connected some events with one of these particular angels, that of the Exodus is most assuredly associated with the angel of the Lord. We should be able to do the same exact thing with the angel of Christ. So, that being a launching point, everybody's head's probably spinning. Well, no one's ever even tried to relate anything to why there were two angels in his tomb. Now, Aaron, uh, I'm sure people have tried to put Names to those angels, and they'll use the most popular ones, but of course, that being beside the point. Why was there two angels in that tomb? That is the real question to answer. Because the names are not given, it's really quite pointless to debate as to which two angels this was at the tomb. But answering the question of why. Now, that's something to consider indeed. So, with that in mind, Aaron, let's use that as a launching point. What have you discovered in the biblical text itself concerning these uh, angels? Who could we possibly be talking about? I'm sure that we'll go over some things in Revelation. I don't see how we can avoid that altogether, but... 
Let's talk about the angel of the Lord first, Aaron. What do you know uh, about the angel of the Lord? And include what other people's uh, conclusions have been as well. You have the mic. All right, so um, the angel of the Lord is, uh, in Hebrew, Ha-Malach. Uh, well, I don't, I'm not going to say the Tetragrammaton, uh, the four-letter of God's name. And it's added right next to that word, Hamalak, Ak. So that um, that basically is the angel of the Lord. So he's um, so this angel here is uh, not any one other, okay? Um, because he's the angel of the Lord. And um, this, as you have pointed out, there's a lot of speculation about this angel. Um, we know that he was the angel who went before the Israelites and was um, guiding them uh, through the wilderness to the promised land. And uh, we know that um, there were two pillars uh, that guided them, one by day and one by night. And uh, there's a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. The pillar of fire followed them by night, and then the pillar of cloud by day. So um, this, we see these two pillars in the book of Revelation again, where we are described with them. Uh, we uh, are told about this mighty angel holding uh, a little book, who's uh, has one pillar of fire and one of cloud for each of his legs. So, um, we know that there is uh, some great angel here, and he is higher than any other, as you've pointed out, that the scripture says that he didn't have to forgive the sins of other people, because God put him in a dominion over these uh, Israelites while they were through the wilderness, and, um, so, basically, they came under his authority if they were um, to speak against him. They were basically speaking against God himself. And, uh, as we know, what happened with them. And because of this, um, we know that when Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord, he said, I have seen the face of God. And so many people think, well, this is a manifestation of God. And um, in another place... Uh, we know where Manoah, uh, the father of uh, of Samson, also said that he saw God when this angel appeared to him. So uh, many people have speculated, saying that, oh, this this mighty angel of the Lord is Christ Himself, His incarnate before He came through the flesh. Um, while the Jews hold that uh, He is one. Metatron, which they say was Enoch after he ascended into heaven. He was transformed into a great angel um, who's higher than any other angel. Uh, so there are a bunch of uh, challenging topics, but it's interesting to find that in the third book of Enoch, um, which talks about this Metatron, that he was set on a throne that so high that a certain man coming before him believed that, uh, began to think, oh, there's certainly another power in heaven uh, like God. And this 
uh, Metatron was cast off of this high throne because of it, because of what this uh, rabbi said about him. So uh, it's just an interesting thing to add there. But everybody knows that there's some powerful uh, authority of this angel, and we don't understand what that is except that he goes before the father and uh well why don't we why don't why don't we discuss this 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 thing about the angel of the lord and christ all right we certainly can um like you said uh, many people um say that this angel of the lord is a manifestation of god which in of itself is a blasphemy. Uh, no, no mincing words with me about that. It clearly has an identifier in front of it. Angel. Messenger. These are two separate things. It is a messenger of the Lord, of God, the Tetragrammaton as you put it. No debating that fact. So to say this angel is God is blasphemy. That's that's what it is. It's false teaching. People's only going to say this so they can uh, promote sales to induce uh, their surf their their self-serving ministries. That's the only reason why you would say this. No other one. But when we go to these events that, uh, well, uh, the first uh, book of Revelation, um, you go to. Uh, the very first verse, and you look at that uh, in the Greek, it's going to stare you in the face. Uh, because these are the same exact things that it says of this angel. It says, of course, uh, the angel of Christ, or his angel. Uh, there's just no getting around it. Um, this is the same type of phraseology. Um, and there in the Greek, it's, it's, it's pretty clear um, what he's trying to say. The Angelu Atu, Christ Angel. That's exactly what he comes out and says. And we can just put it more to the point. Um, it says the Angel Atu, not only that, it ends the verse with Atu Iosan, Jesus. This is the Angel of Jesus. It's not saying, it never said, Jesus was the Angel. That's not ever what it said. And nor does it ever say in the Old Testament that this angel is the Lord. It never says that. So, separating uh, these is very important. And why is it that nobody talks about the angel of Jesus? We might as well just state it the way that uh, it is stated. We have to remind everybody that no, we're not going to say the Lord's name. Because you don't know how to pronounce it anyway, so give up. There's no point in trying. Uh, God has taken the consonants from you, or the vowels from you in Hebrew. You're not going to get them back until the promise is fulfilled that he gives us a pure language. That's when you'll get the vowels back, so just stop trying to pronounce it. You can't. With that being said, this we do know. That this is the angel of Jesus. There is no way around it. That's what it is. And it is he that communicates Jesus' message. 
And that's even given. To who? His bondservant, John. There's no way around it. And that makes things pretty interesting, and it clarifies some things for us, Aaron, that don't ever call an angel the Lord. And don't ever say that Jesus in an angel is an angel. He's not, and you tread on very dangerous ground. And if you hear people say these things, Aaron, you need to exit stage right that ministry. Shut them off, leave them off, go someplace else. So, Aaron, back to you. All right, so there are many passages in the book of Revelation that speaks about this angel, but um, to just give you the gist about this angel, I'm going to start with the last sayings about him, and this is in Revelation chapter 22, verses 6 to 11. And he said to me, These words are faithful and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. So here Christ is speaking himself. And then, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and, and, when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this, of, do not seal up the words of this prophecy, of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. So, um, let's compare what this angel just said. He said, uh, do not worship me, because I am a fellow servant like you. So, um, this isn't Christ, who, um, verse 6 says, these are the words of the faithful and true, and the the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets. Okay? And, and when we go to verse 7, this angel dictates Christ's words. Okay? This is in red, people. So this angel is dictating Christ's words, but he bas he, he he's very clear to you, people. He said, I am a servant like you. Worship God. And who is God? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, um, this angel is, isn't, doesn't really appear speaking to, uh, John until way later in the book of Revelation. Um, John sees a bunch of, uh, things, a lot of revelations and sees other angels speaking. He hears God speaking and he hears, uh, Christ speaking, but, um, the angel himself doesn't appear till, uh, Revelation chapter 17. Versus, um, well, it's the entire chapter. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke to me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Okay, so this angel is one of the seven. 
and we know that the seven are the archangels. Um, and uh, this angel comes and explains the meaning of one of the visions that John has. And let's go, let's pick up on verse six, and it says, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. So he goes and describes all of these things. And so this is when the interpretation begins. This angel comes forth from among the seven who have poured the bowls of wrath on the earth. And he begins to interpret these visions to John. Let me ask this. Are you given any clues as to which one it is? Is it one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven? Is that anything that should be looked at? Is there any clues as to which angel it was that uh, produced which effect, shall we say? Well, honestly, I did not look into that, but there may be something there. Oh, Aaron, surely your daddy's taught you one thing, if nothing else. You're talking about the Bible, God's holy word. I assure you, <laughs> there's something there. So, we'll not cover that in this episode. It may be for further study, though, so please continue. Where is the next time this angel seems to speak out in Revelation? Well, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 10. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who were invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours, and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All right, so... This is the second angel um, in Revelation that tells him to do something. But you'll take note that you've already mentioned the mighty angel in Revelation chapter 10 that tells him to eat. So one angel is telling him to eat, and one angel is telling him to write. I find that pretty important. Please continue. So we... Um we know the accounts of the four Gospels, uh, that that an angel appeared to uh, the women who came to Christ's tomb after he resurrected. But uh, the first two Gospels only, only give one, and the last two Gospels give, um, give two. So, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 2 to 7, uh, describes that, an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. So, um, this angel tells the women that Christ is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. 
Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So there's one here described as an angel of the Lord. Then we go on to uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 5 to 7. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were all amazed. So, what's the difference here? The first angel they saw sitting on the stone, right? They saw uh, he rolled away the stone and sat on it. But this one, this described as a young man, is in the tomb. So, um, and I want to point out to you that this is the only age ever getting, given to an angel. They're always described as, well, um, an ish uh, or an adult man. But this one given a young man, this second angel inside the tomb. Well, Aaron, my first obvious question would be this. The word that is used, uh, have you did a word search on that word for young where else does it pop up? Does it pop up in relationship to any other scriptures alluding to an angelic entity? Not that I've found. It is found in um, a few times in the Old Testament uh, describing, um, well, the slaying of a young man. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice. You wives of Lamech, give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me. And a boy, and a young, well, a boy, a young man, for striking me. And this man is Ish, again, and this boy in Hebrew is Yaled. Well, Aaron, it seems like to me you just stated the obvious. Uh, you're saying that this angel is in direct relation to someone that's been murdered or died. Um, now, we've already eliminated one of the angels. You already said that one of the angels at the tomb was referred to as an angel of the Lord. Now we see a young one, and of course, what a very good way to put it. It seems like to me we have haphazardly stand stumbled upon an adjoining title for this particular angel. We know that the angel of the Lord is the Exodus angel. It seems like to me that this young angel, I can really only think of two appropriate terms to give this angel. Uh, it, it, well, let me just ask you, what's a good possible title to give this other angel that was with the Exodus angel at the tomb based on the verses you just read? The angel of the resurrection is what I gave him, or simply the resurrection angel. So here we see that um, one is young, okay? And how would he be young? Because this angel of Christ wouldn't really have have appeared until he came to earth through the flesh, right? And that would make the Exodus angel the old angel, right? 
Well, that 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 would be correct. Or you're talking about rank and file. If we're speaking about this in military terms, uh, you would certainly call a lieutenant younger than a captain. So, being the case that we're speaking in a biblical language, that seems perfect. However, I see something else here, too. The prophets of old, sometimes an angel would show up, they'd be uh, overwhelmed, and they'd wind up flat on their faces. And the word surrounding this, the angel would pick them up, and it would say that it would restore the angel. Uh, uh, the angel would uh, refresh them. A couple of different English terms used in association with these verses, but strengthen or restored uh, to give them strength. And that's a very good way to be able to put these things together uh, with Old Testament language. Uh, literally, you could say uh, that most certainly, if you were dead and you were resurrected, you would be, uh, uh, well, you'd be refreshed. Right, Aaron? Uh, you would be uh, restored. You would be strengthened. You would be younger than you were at your time of death, correct? Correct. And But I don't know if this has any importance, but we know that of the 144,000 that there are two um, groups of the 144,000. The first of, uh, well, one of them are the people who are left in the outer darkness who are martyred for Christ. And then the other 144,000 are the children who are taken from the women, uh, the womb of the women and taken to heaven. Um, and they will replace the third of the host that falls. Now, Aaron, stop the bus. You're saying that the Exodus angel takes one group of the 144,000 of Mount Zion, and you're saying that the angel that marks the 144,000 in Revelation chapter 7, the one marking them, they're being marked for resurrection? Because you've already stated this angel speaking in Revelation chapter two or twenty-two, correct? Yes. So now you've hit the nail on the head. There's no reason to assume these things. Yeah, and as I've just pointed out, the one are for the people who are already adults, and they get slain and killed for the for the name of Christ. And then this other one that the the next group of one hundred forty-four thousand, their children who have not been born yet. Okay, stop the bus. Everybody knows that this event you're referring to is the third slaughter of the innocents. When we go back to the Exodus angel, you're talking about the exact inversion that he did the first time. Because the first time, everybody likes to talk about the angel of death that went and killed all the Egyptian firstborn. And of course we know this is how Moses was saved. Um, an ark was built for him. He was placed into it as a baby. So there's no debating this fact that uh, now we have real meat to digest. Now you've made clear 
and present lines of contact with the identity of these two angels and why there's two of them. Why these two angels are, well, for a better word, didomos, as is of described in the New Testament, that Greek word means twins. And this is exactly why they would have been at the tomb. Because Aaron, what happens after Jesus is resurrected? Describe to me what happens. Uh, I think that's pretty important. How does Jesus go to heaven, Aaron? Well, he ascend. He ascended um, into the clouds, and they, uh, the disciples, they all saw him go into heaven. And then the book of Acts, in the first chapter, describes how an angel says, "Why are you still looking? Because just as you seen, you have seen him come up, he will go down again." Aaron, I hate to rain on your party. There's two angels there, too. Okay. Uh, Exodus, or Acts, uh, the very first chapter, okay? And verse 10. Two men. It says two. There were two at the ascension. Two. Now, um, I just stated that it was this particular angel, the Exodus angel, that must be the one in charge of relocating uh, these children snatched from the womb, uh, as is directly stated. There's no debating. That's exactly what Isaiah chapter uh, 26 states. This is exactly what this... Well, now we know which, which angel did it. Which angel took him to heaven. That's exactly what you're describing. And the other angel would have been the one associated with his resurrection. So, now we're in completely different territory. Now we have double lines of contact. Clear, clearly constructed lines of contact with the Bible, God's Holy Word. Pinning the Exodus angel as one, and the resurrection angel as the other. And now, all this makes a whole lot of sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. Now, this would also make sense as to why Revelation chapter 10 uh, says a lot that it says. No doubt about it. Uh, because it seems like, to me, uh, that when this angel tells him to eat this little book, and we might talk about that for a minute, but it's obvious to me that this angel's delivering a message to John. It's pretty obvious that he's given the intimate details of exactly what will happen during the 1,260 days. Now, um, that word for young man in Mark chapter 16, verse 5, is Nian Iskos. Nian Iskos. And um, that actually comes from the Greek word neos. It means new or young. And um, 
that word is also found in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 44, in the Septuagint. I will read from Thompson's translation. Behold, he will be like the lion which go, which must go up from the swelling of Jordan to Gytham. For I will speedily drive men from her and set every youth, this word, against her. For who is like me and who can withstand me? And who is the shepherd who can stand before me? Well, I don't want to go into that chapter. I could literally speak for two hours about it because I've got something else to add about a different chapter in Jeremiah, particularly concerning this angel with the legs like pillars. So if you do want to expand on Jeremiah chapter 50, uh, go right ahead. What's, what's your thoughts on why this word would be impregnated right there in that Greek text. Your thoughts? Well, we're, we're given how this, um, this king of Babylon, um, who we know in the last days will be the Assyrian, he will be like a lion which goes up from the swelling of Jordan to Gytham, and he will send men against Jerusalem, and, and then set every youth against her. So, um, here again, we're talking about the angel of death who um, went there, and, and, and as described in the book of Genesis, uh, in Exodus, I'm sorry, and um, kills all the firstborn of Egypt. Well, yes, uh, no doubt about that, but I hope you realize the – I truly hope you realize what you're – Inferring here because, Aaron, you need to understand that the king you're referring to, um, there's many things spoken about that in uh, God's holy word. But um, one of the things that is a, a topic that nobody likes to talk about is the simple fact that the one you're referring to ripped open the pregnant women and killed those babies. And I'm sorry, there is no getting around it, Aaron. Um, 2 Kings chapter 8, uh, because I know the evil that you do to the sons of Israel, the strongholds you will set on fire, and their young men you will kill with the sword, and their little ones you will dash to pieces, and their, rem their women with child you will rip up. Hosea chapter 13, verse 16, 2 Kings 15, 16, Amos chapter 1, verse 13, Jeremiah 31, 8. Aaron, these verses are real. They happened. And you have just revealed to the entire world what the tribulation trigger is going to be, Aaron. The false prophet Assyrian, he is going to invade Jerusalem for an explicit reason of performing a third slaughter of the innocents. And now you know exactly why the Exodus angel would take those children to Mount Zion, exactly like the book of Obadiah says is going to happen. Or, well, uh, is this the... Exodus angel, or is this the resurrection angel? Well, 
I guess that's a good thing to talk about. It's one or the other. Well, the 144,000 that are cast into the outer darkness and left there, they get martyred and they get resurrected. No debating that. It's futile to debate that. Yes, and then with this, and then there's the one of these two angels is will bring these children, these young ones, out of the wombs and take them to heaven with Christ. So um, that's that's another thing to point out. And I was pointing out this young, these children, pointing that back to why this angel is called a young man. And I don't know. That's what I'm trying to get out of you, son. Uh, these children that are taken to heaven, why would you say the resurrection angel is the one that does that? Uh, that clearly sounds like an exodus to me. Uh, they're being, uh, they're being um, well, they're being relocated uh, from their mother's wombs uh, to Mount Zion. Uh, so why would you say that has anything to do with the resurrection angel? Your your thoughts? Well, as I pointed out, this angel of Christ, these young ones being taken to Christ in heaven, and uh, like I just pointed out, these are these these are young ones. Uh, this this angel would be young. Um, I don't know. Well, are you saying that there were two angels involved with? I mean, we've already spoken about it. Which angel was protecting Moses in the ark, I guess? Because uh, that's, that's really what you're talking about. Um, literally, it's like putting these babies into an ark, and instead of setting them on the Nile, uh, where, of course, Moses was found, uh, they're taken to Mount Zion. And let's just go ahead and do this. We, we need to explain this to the listeners that, that probably don't, I've never heard this. Um, let's go straight to the proof text. Uh, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 15. You have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have extended all the borders of the land. O Lord, they sought you in distress. They could only whisper a prayer. Your chastening was upon them. Let me give a little bit of commentary here. It's quite clear this is occurring during the first part of the tribulation, the 1,290 days. That's when they whisper this prayer. It is all also obvious it is the Lord their God that answers the prayer. Verse 16, O Lord, they sought you in distress. They could only whisper a prayer. Your chastening was upon them. This is the sixth seal event. This is the tribulation trigger. This is Isaiah chapter 24, verse 17. Here's the event in question. As a as the pregnant woman approaches time to give birth, she arises and cries out in labor pains. Thus we were before you, O Lord. We were pregnant. We writhed in labor. We gave birth as it seems only to wind. We could not accomplish deliverance for the earth, nor were the inhabitants of the world born. <clears throat> literally, God just told you, point-blank range, he takes the children right out of the womb. 
The next verse, it describes those that have been marked in the outer darkness. Those that are going to be resurrected. Verse 19 of Isaiah chapter 26. Your dead will live. Their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust, awake and shout for joy. For your dew is the dew of the dawn. And the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. We've already talked about their resurrection. It's going to happen. So here you have it. Right there in Isaiah chapter 26. There is no debating it. Here, it's clear. One of these angels performed the taking of these babies to heaven. The other angel performs the resurrection of those numbered by way of 144,000 from Revelation chapter 7. No debating it now. Okay, yeah. And, but... I there's so much here in Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 44 and we're going to have to try to figure out what it's saying I'm just going to have to go through it again and it says behold he uh, the king of Babylon or the Assyrian will be like a, the lion which must go forth from the swelling of Jordan to guide them for I will speedily drive men from her from Israel and set every youth, this word for young man, against her. For who is like me? And who can withstand me? And who is the shepherd who can stand before me? And we know there's only one good shepherd. Right. And he's talking about Revelation chapter 14. Who is going to stand before him? Who is going to be there on Mount Zion? With Jesus. Matter of fact, he's the only. They're the only ones that's going to be there uh, during the 1,260 days. There is no debating it. Who is with him? No debating it. The second group of 144,000. Uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse one. Then I looked and behold, the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. Okay, this is the book of Obadiah. The whole reason why it was written. You're told who ascends to Mount Zion in the book of Obadiah. And with him 144,000 having his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads and yada, 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 yada. But some of the words you just used was exactly what it reminded me of Moses being set on, on um, the Nile. He was put in an ark and placed on the Nile. Please read those uh, couple of verses you just read. And this time, listen for the same type of words being used, Aaron. Uh, you said Jordan instead of Nile, right? And then you said set or placed upon something else. So read those one more time. I need to hear them and, and, and really listen myself now that I think about it. Behold, he will be like the lion, which goeth, must go up from the swelling of Jordan to Gytham. For I will speedily drive men from her, and set every youth against her. For who is like me, and who can withstand me? And who is the shepherd who can stand before me? Okay, that's exactly the phraseology I would need to detect all these elements. Um, you definitely said sets. We need to look at that in Hebrew and Greek. We're obviously not going to do it now. 
But right there's our answer. It's it's literally staring us in the face, no doubt about it. So we're at odds, you and I, as to which angel is going to do which. One of these angels are going to take the children. One of the angels are going to mark the martyrs, and maybe we need to call it call him that, uh, the martyrdom angel. Even though I find that very, um, very clumsy in English, martyrdom. Um, resurre- or, yeah, resurrection flows a whole lot better. But even still, uh, now that we're kind of at odds with which angel does what, do you at least agree with me, Aaron, that this is a type of angelic didymos? These two angels are working together. When you conclude your comments on that thought, I want to talk a little bit about Revelation chapter 10 again. So please, your thoughts. Yes, like we're shown time and time again in the New Testament that there are two. There are two witnesses um, to this resurrection of Christ and um, his ascension. And um, two, we see the two at his tomb. We see the two there in heaven at the um, at his ascension. Um, and then again, we are we are faced with the the angel of um, the mighty angel, the angel of the Lord that has the pillars um, for legs in uh, Revelation chapter 10. And then we have the angel who has the words of Christ in his mouth and um, interprets Christ's um, the visions to John. Well, I wouldn't say interpret. I would say relay. He relayed Christ stuff, but yeah, we'll we'll roll with that. I guess you could could use the term that you turned to because he could be speaking an angelic language, I guess, and 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 the angel had to take it from angelic language to um, what John could understand. So yeah, I I understand where you're going. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, any more thoughts? Um, you kind of got my mind reeling as well. Well, this is all... Uh, like we said, we have um, an angel of death going before killing the firstborn of Egypt. Um, and then uh, an angel um, bringing... Um, who is there in the outer darkness with the those who are martyred for Christ's name. And then we have an angel who um, brings the other 144,000, the children, um, to heaven to replace those fallen angels. Um, so um, we just have to try – we have to connect points there where, where we can. That's why I would clearly say the angel of uh, – well, the Exodus angel is clearly the one that relocates – the 144,000 children, before this angel of death, this angel of darkness, well, obviously, if he would have the power over uh, resurrection, he would have the power over the exact opposite. So that's why uh, I'm saying that the resurrection angel must be the angel of death, and while he was doing that, 
the Exodus angel was working with him. He was literally the distraction that got uh, the children of, of Israel out of Egypt. So this resurrection angel was creating the distraction so the Exodus angel could get the children of Israel out of Egypt. Well, then, um, well, yeah, you're... Your point is standing out more and more because we know what did Christ say? The um, that the Father gave him the keys to life and death, as the Book of Revelation says. Exactly. So if he has their keys, and and let's say that, why, Aaron, riddle me this? Why are there keys? So there's more than one key. I mean, shouldn't there only be one key? To death? Why is there two? Why are these angels always working together? Okay, we have them multiple occasions now working together. Both the resurrection and the ascension. But you could also call the ascension, maybe we ought to reword that to the resurrection and the exodus. Christ was exodused from this planet up to Mount Zion. So I guess we could... Uh, now we have three terms we could call this angel. He's either the resurrection angel, he's the martyrdom angel, or he's the ascension angel. At any point, that being irrelevant, these angels are clearly working together. Would you at least agree, uh, agree to that? Oh yeah, they are our twins. The angelic didymos, so to speak. Very interesting and intriguing even to me because now I have a whole lot more to look at. I have a whole lot more I need to study. Revelation chapter 10. I think we'll hold off on that. I think you and I shall perhaps need to study this privately to get to the bottom of that. Um, so this is exceedingly... Exciting, Aaron. We have formulated clear lines of track right back to these two angels working together time and time and time again. I mean, off the charts that I, I never thought that – you know, it's a good question. Um, whenever they drew Moses out of the Nile – um. It was clearly stated that this was a Hebrew child. Why didn't they kill that child? Why didn't Pharaoh immediately kill that child? Now we know why. Now, he should have been executed. You know that. I know that. There's no debating it. Um, that these two angels were working together the whole time, of course, one has got an exceedingly bad rap. He's been called the angel of death. He's the one that murdered the babies. But you talk about a redeeming moment. If he is the same angelic entity that expedites these children from the womb, which is the whole reason why Matthew 24 states, woe be to pregnant women and nursing mothers. When he expedites these children to Mount Zion to be with the lion, to be trained for a hundred and uh, for one thousand two hundred sixty days, being trained by Christ Himself on what to do, how to administer the kingdom. 
This is completely off the rails. This completely redeems him from whatever, uh, you know, rumors have been going around about him being so bad by performing the slaughter of the Egyptian firstborn. This takes this to a different uh, level. Absolutely amazing. Your closing comments, Aaron, on all these things. Well, I guess that uh, now that I think about it, there might be another cliffhanger here. Um, if there was a slaughter of the firstborn in the first Exodus, um, does that mean there might be one in the last, in the last days? Um, so that might be another topic that we might want to touch on in the later days. But um, it was, well, this was this was pretty fun. It was pretty awesome talking about this this angel of Christ. And uh, to be honest, I can't get the name of Christ out of my head. I can't uh, I can't get over it. And I that's why I enjoyed it so much that here because I'm talking about um, Christ and His resurrection and coming um, to this earth and His ascension and um, yeah, it was pretty awesome. And now, now we're unveiling that there's um, there's two angels here, and the one that is for the Father and one for the Son, and uh, and it takes them both. Oh yeah. I mean, what do we call uh, what do we call this angel of Jesus? I mean, we could call him the angel, the the resurrection angel the martyrdom angel, or the ascension angel. Um, absolutely off the charts. Um, well, Aaron, uh, you know what? I thought this was pretty awesome myself. Uh, you can find our page on Facebook, according to the scripture. So, Aaron, say your goodbyes and, clo and closing comments, please. Well, God bless y'all. Y'all take it easy. It was pretty awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Christian Conspiracy Theory, signing off.